0: Right now, we're not even both eligible. So we're trying to get to that next win, and and that's where we have to look at it. You know, We're still the hunters. We're not the hunted. And, and we don't know what game out in our division, but we have some catching up to do. Hey,
1: everybody. Chris Harry with you on the Week 13 edition of Chargers Weekly. That was head coach Anthony Lynn ahead of this Sunday's game against the Cleveland Browns. A bit later, I'll be joined by NFL.com's Mark Sessler to pick a six-pack of games that directly affect the AFC playoff picture. Chargers team reporter Haley would also stop by with the latest from the Hogue Performance Center. But first, an in-depth look at the Chargers' Week 13 opponent. All right, to get this week's opposing view, we bring in Mary Kay Cabot from Cleveland.com, one of the best team reporters in football. And Mary Kay, the Browns, now 0-11 after losing to the Bengals 30-16, but it looked like Deshaun Kaiser may have played his best game as a pro on Sunday.
2: You know, I actually think he did. Deshaun is really coming around. Uh, he's learned to put a little bit more touch on the ball. He was throwing it too hard. He was almost throwing an uncatchable ball in the earlier part of the season. He worked very, very hard on that during the bye week. And you're con- you're seeing the fruits of that now, I think, guys are having a much easier time uh catching that football. So I think that's made a difference for him. And then you know how it is with rookies, the lights just start to come on uh for rookies and they just start to uh the game slows down for them a little bit. They start to be able to, you know, read the defenses and uh, you know, figure out what the safeties are doing and read their keys and Uh, so he's picking up on those things a lot better. The receivers are are adjusting to him a little bit more and he's moving the football. So 268 yards passing in this past game. He didn't turn it over at all. And, uh, that was major progress for him.
1: You know, it doesn't hurt too, when you get your best receiver back in Corey Coleman, I believe the last two weeks he's been targeted 19 times. I know he had a big drop in the end zone. It would have been a sure touchdown, but how does the offense look different when Coleman is in the game?
2: Well, it helps to have a 1st runner receiver in the game. Uh, Now, he did not have a good game this past game. They... Uh, when you only really have one of those guys, I think it's it's kind of easy for the defense to focus on him and try to take him out of the game. And that's that's basically what these guys did. And then he had the big drop in the end zone, and that doesn't help matters at all. I mean, these guys, Hugh Jackson talks about how they have to play a perfect game, and that's true. They almost have to play a perfect game in order to win one, and, you know, that obviously hasn't happened. So, you know, you've got to catch the, uh, the interceptions that you're dropping. You've got to catch that touchdown pass by Corey Coleman. In the end zone, um, but it, you know it does help to have Corey back on the field. But again, he's about the only one that you can really point to and say, you know, he's a real bona fide weapon on the receiving corps.
1: And they're going to get another weapon back, Mary Kay. Probably the biggest storyline this week coming out of Cleveland is a return of Josh Gordon. And Hugh Jackson says he has big plans for Gordon on Sunday. For a guy who hasn't played in a regular season game since 2014, what do you think that means?
2: Well, you know what? I think it means that they are going to use him early and often, and they're going to try to get as much as they can out of Josh Gordon because, you know, like I said before, they don't really have very many weapons on this offense. Now, if you put Corey Coleman and Josh Gordon out there, now you've got two guys the defense has to worry about, two fast guys. Josh Gordon has been uh, clocked in a 4.35 in the 40 uh, down at Numa Speed in Gainesville where he was working out with former Olympic sprinter Ken Montgomery. So he's very fast, he's in tremendous shape, he's he's lean, he's lost weight, he's uh you know, he just looks really, really good in practice. And I've uh, just heard reports from people that have said, you know, when he stepped onto that field on Wednesday, he instantly became the best player on the football team, the whole entire football team. So uh, there's a lot for the Browns to look forward to and I actually think uh that Josh Gordon gives them an opportunity to try to win a football game this season.
1: Mary Kay, you covered him, too, obviously, when he had that unbelievable, I think it was 2013, and then, obviously, the troubles. What do you think his prospects are for for being able to bounce back and and really have the career that everyone expected him to have from the beginning?
2: Well, you know what? I think Josh right now... Uh, needs to focus a little bit more just on his sobriety and football and maybe a little bit less on on all the outside stuff that he's got himself involved with. Uh, You know, you see him doing a lot of interviews. You see him, you know, he's on the cover of GQ. He's doing doing Uninterrupted. He uh, has a story that came out, I think it was today maybe, uh, in SI that details a lot of his criminal past and different things that he's gone through. And I think it's just a little bit much. I think that Josh Gordon needs to uh, get out there and play a football game first before, um, you know, telling his life story to everyone and, uh, you know, and, and focusing on that whole side of it. I think uh, I think he needs to ease himself back into the world of the NFL and and in his free time. Uh, be in whatever treatment plan he can get himself into and, you know, just kind of let all the other stuff go for now. There will be time to tell his story. There will be, you know, his business manager wants him, you know, wants to make a movie out of this. Well, before you can make the movie, uh, you have to have a happy ending to the story. Exactly. So I think he needs to work, right? I think he needs to work more on the on the story itself and the happy ending. And then we can all worry about the movie later.
1: Mary Kay, what's the locker room like as we enter December? I realize this team has not won a game, but there's a lot of young guys on this team who I believe have a lot to prove this last month of the season.
2: Well, you know what? You have got to give Hugh Jackson a ton of credit for keeping this team fighting so hard because, uh, like you said, this is not only the first season of losing, this is the second straight losing season of just massive losing. You know, 1-26 and over the last two seasons. And you can see that it does take its toll on a lot of these guys that have been through this now for the second season. Um, But he's done a great job of getting these guys ready to play, of getting their heads on straight. Uh, There's a good leadership council on the team. Chris Kirksey gave an impassioned uh, postgame speech last week after the game. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of guys that are still fighting really hard. I think they understand that, you know, some of them aren't even going to be with this team next year, so they have to put... Uh, good film out there for their futures. Uh, But just more so than anything, this is a team that's fighting its tail off to get a victory.
1: And you talk about 1-26, Mary Kay. The Browns beat the Chargers for that lone win last season in 2016. What are the players and coaches saying about playing in L.A. this week? And I know a lot of them have memories of that win last season.
2: Well, I think they recognize, first of all, that the Chargers are playing well, that they're heating up, that they've been scoring a lot of points, that Phillip Rivers is on point right now. Uh, I think they recognize all of that, all the challenges that they had, have ahead of them. Uh, but by the same token, in addition to that, I think they they all realize that the last thing that the Chargers want is the dubious distinction of losing to this winless team for the second year in a row. So, you know, the Chargers have a lot to play for, uh, and that's one of them. That's something uh, that is going to be, I think, first and foremost in their minds, that there is no way uh, that they want to go out and lose to the Cleveland Browns again. Uh, Even right now, I'm sure it sticks in their craw that that they were the one that lost to them last year. And uh, I think they're going to find a better football team uh, than what most people think the the Cleveland Browns are because they've been in these games. I mean, Deshaun Kaiser had them. He scored uh, a rushing touchdown last week on Cincinnati's number three red zone defense. Uh, That put the Browns up 23 to 16 in the fourth quarter. and. You know, so they were a touchdown away from tying or winning that football game or, or at least going ahead again in the fourth quarter. And I think the Chargers will find that same thing. I think they'll find uh, a very spirited, aggressive, gutsy football team uh, that's going to come out there uh, with their hair on fire and try to win a game. Uh, but it, it's, it's going to be tough because in the end, they don't necessarily have had the horses to do it. Uh, the only thing that could possibly push them over the top would be Josh Gordon.
1: And Mary Kay, you look at the roster on the Browns, and I I know it's young, I know the quarterback is inexperienced, but there is a lot of individual talent. So I don't know, how do you explain the record, really? Because is it just a lack of consistent execution? Because you look at some of the key positions, they have great interior linemen, they have two running backs, um, they're getting some wide receivers back. Greg Williams has done a good job with that defense. So uh, it's just, it's like you kind of scratch your head, you knew they were going to struggle a little bit this year, but to be 0-11, what can you point to?
2: Well, you know, the number one thing that I can point to there is flip through the NFL stats and land on the page uh, that, that gives you the turnover differential. There it is. And there you will find the Cleveland Browns at the very, very bottom at minus 17. Okay? No matter what else is happening on your football team, if you can consistently win the turnover battle, the takeaway battle, uh, then you can win football games, and they're not getting it from either side. So in addition to turning it over at an alarming rate, they're not getting the turnovers or the takeaways. In this past game, again, they dropped at least three interceptions, had another chance at a ball in the end zone, Joe Schober did. Uh, so that's that's really killing this football team to be minus 17, and that really tells the story of the season because you can cover up a lot of ills if you can win – uh, the turnover battle in at least half of your football games.
1: Absolutely. And the Chargers have, have really taken care of the football, and I think that's a big reason for their turnaround this year. Uh, I want to ask you about Miles Garrett, the number one overall pick. He had his fifth sack of the season on Sunday. And, Mary Kay, you've seen him from the beginning. How good can this guy be?
2: You know, I think he could be tremendous. Uh, I think uh, a couple things have been working against him this season, and that's injuries and now the loss of Emmanuel Ogba on the other side. Uh, So they can give more attention to Miles with Emmanuel out. Um, But he missed the first four games with a high ankle sprain. Then he missed one with a concussion. It's hard to keep your rhythm going. And then uh, in addition to that, those high ankle sprains, they linger and they kind of flare back up when you play on them. So I don't think he's 100% yet, but he's gutting that out. He has no problem playing in pain and through pain. Uh, But I don't think he's at his 100% best or most explosive yet. So I think there's plenty more to come from him. Jackson has been trying to coax it out of him the last couple weeks. He said, you know, hey, go dominate the game. Make more splash plays. Yesterday he said, "Uh, I think there's more in there. And I think everybody recognizes that there is more in there, uh, but I'm not sure you'll see the full Miles Garrett this year.
1: I think he's going to be a great player. And speaking of pass rushers, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram – They're playing about as well as anybody in the league from a pass-rushing perspective. Uh, The Browns are without Joe Thomas, but a lot of good players that I mentioned before on the interior of that O-line. How do you think they neutralize Bosa and Ingram as they're currently constructed?
2: Well, it's going to be really, really hard. The Browns have been having uh, issues and, and problems with that throughout the season. You've got Spencer Drango Uh, trying to replace Joe Thomas and you know what I mean nobody's going to confuse him uh, with Joe Thomas but I mean he's a really young player he's playing hard he's doing the best he can he's in a very very difficult situation and you know teams are going to try to exploit that every single week and sometimes they're going to be successful so that's I'm sure that uh, it hasn't been lost on the Chargers that that um, that Joe is there and then when you Joe is not there. And then when you have Spencer there, you have to give him some help. And when you have to give him that kind of help in the form of chipping with a running back or a tight end or whatever the case may be, uh, you know, then you're kind of curtailing your offense a little bit. And, uh, you know, you just don't have as many weapons out there as you would like to. So, um, so it's, that's been a huge, huge, tremendous loss. I and mean, when you think about it, this team went into this season with three pro Pro Bowl players, or you know, in the off season they had three. Joe Hayden, he's gone to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Jamie Collins, he's out for the season with a, a torn MCL, and then Joe Thomas, he's out uh, with the torn biceps. So uh, they, they just don't have any of those blue chip players on the field, and they won't until uh, Sunday when Josh comes back.
1: Mary Kay, we'll get you at her on this. What do you think will decide Sunday's game? And, and you kind of alluded to it before. I think the turnover differential may have a big stake.
2: Yes, I think that. I think it will because if those guys can get uh, the kind of pressure that they have been getting, if they can get that kind of pressure on Deshaun Kaiser and force him into you know, a couple of interceptions, uh, you know, I think that that will decide the game. Now he, uh, again, he stayed turnover free. In this last game, but he does lead the NFL with 14 interceptions. He is prone to that, and you know Josh Gordon coming back. Uh, I remember the last time he came back in 2014. Brian Hoyer had uh, eight interceptions in four in four of his in his final four games. A lot of those were on passes intended for Josh Gordon because they weren't on the same page yet. Uh, Josh wasn't running precise routes yet. Uh, Now, he had a lot of other issues going on back then. He, you know, later recently admitted uh, that he was, you know, using substances before every game. And he's not doing that right now. Um, But, you know, if he's not on point with where he needs to be, uh, you know, that, you know, there could be opportunities there for some takeaways.
1: Mary Kay, great stuff. We were talking just before uh, we came on. This is gonna be your first time in L.A. in quite some time. You looking forward to it?
2: I am so looking forward to it. <laughs> I used to come out. To, I really, really am. I have, you know, friends out there uh, looking forward to going and uh, visiting one of my friends in Manhattan Beach. I remember I used to come out and cover, um, you know, the the Cleveland Force soccer team way back when. Um, I'm not even remembering what the uh, L.A. team was way back then, but uh, Major Indoor Soccer League. Uh, was back it, the was it the Lasers? Was it the Lasers? It could have been the Lasers. Yeah, they were. They were good whatever they were. They were owned by the Buff family and um, so I have great memories of that. And, you know, just tremendous memories of, you know, covering some football out there, but a long, long time ago. So great that there's football back in LA and I can't wait to get there.
1: And we can't wait to see you on Sunday. She's Mary Kay Cabot. Thank you so much, Mary Kay. I will see you on Sunday.
2: Sounds good. Thanks a lot.
1: If you're a fan of the Chargers, shop our huge selection of Los Angeles Chargers gear and merchandise at
0: the official Pro Shop of the Los Angeles Chargers. Buy officially licensed Chargers apparel to cheer on the team, including Chargers jerseys, T-shirts, tailgating gear, salute to service gear, and much more. Browse our collection of the most popular items and school accessories, such as backpacks, fidget spinners,
1: and Chargers back-to-school supplies.
0: Find any kind of Los Angeles Chargers gear or clothing you may ever need today at shop.chargers.com.
1: It's my great pleasure to welcome in NFL.com's Mark Sessler to Chargers Weekly, and Mark, the AFC playoff picture is tightening up a little bit as we enter Week 13, and I know your Super Bowl pick; those Los Angeles Chargers have fought their way back into the mix.
0: They really have. You know when they when they started 0 and four, I wasn't thinking. You know I hope this is a repeat of the 1992 Chargers. I yeah. was freaking out. I thought, what have I done here? Because I also on the in the NFC, I picked the New York Giants. So. Needless to say, anyone that remembered that tweet that I sent out, they were coming at me saying, you simply should not be analyzing football on any (laughs) level at this point. But Los Angeles has done me proud over the last seven weeks, and I really do feel like in an AFC West, you know, in the offseason, we talk about the AFC West as hands down the most powerful division up and coming teams. And it's not played out that way. I think that Los Angeles has a great chance to get back into this thing.
1: No questions asked. It's interesting. And you know, Mark, it's not like you can predict injuries. Uh, did you Can you predict the Odell right. Beckham injury and, and the Eli Manning benching ahead of the 2017 season? <laughs>
0: No, if I could I would I would simply leave the NFL immediately and move to Las Vegas. I mean I'd have much <laughs> yeah. more powerful skills than
1: I do. So All right, so hey, you're part of a fun show on NFL Network called NFL Pick 'em. Uh, it airs this Saturday. Let me get the air times. So it's eight A. M. and eleven PM Eastern and then Saturday at six A. M. Eastern. So basically just D V R it if you don't have a chance to watch it at that time. But right. I thought it'd be of interest to Chargers fans to kind of go through a six pack of games that actually affect the AFC playoff picture. But first, what, what, are you playing cornhole this week? What, what's going on this week?
0: You know, this week we, got, we, we were about to go and do uh, an interesting segment. We've done a lot of different things. We've tried to film some stuff that's a little, a little out of the norm and outside of the studio. We were planning to do that right when the Eli Manning benching news hit. So we got thrown into a bit of a whirlwind, some writing to do, some reaction to that. We had to tape a new part of our podcast so we are doing studio hits this week but we're going to have some good stuff over the next three weeks some very interesting um and some odd segments as well on the pick'em
1: show awesome yeah no it's a lot of fun if you haven't seen it i suggest you check it out but let's start with your team the cleveland browns coming up to StubHub Center to take on the Chargers. And, you know, normally I always get nervous about games like this with with a team like the Chargers because they've won two in a row and and you have an opponent that's 0-11 coming to town. But all they have to do is be reminded of the fact that they lost to the Browns in 2016.
0: Yeah, and I think this is a different situation for the Chargers too. They're kind of rolling right now. And I, I love what finally I feel like Keenan Allen has become the real centerpiece of that passing game. With the with the Browns, what I saw last week was from Deshaun Kaiser the best game he's played all year. But they really themselves, you know, you, I guess you get Josh Gordon back into the mix, which is an X factor. But I really think that you're going to need almost till next season to find out if Josh Gordon is with the Browns. What that really means, they're probably going to phase them in slowly. And outside of Duke Johnson, they just don't have much on that offense. Maybe Corey Coleman can get some get some work done. But how do you handle? both uh, and Melvin Ingram, if you're Cleveland's offensive line, minus, you know, Joe Thomas. Deshaun Kaiser, one of the things that he's done a little bit better at, but a big flaw for him is sort of walking into sacks and walking into pressure and holding on to the ball too long. So I like the matchup for Los Angeles. And I just, I, you know, I, I think you'd be safe not picking the Browns again all season. Maybe you get it wrong once and it would be a fluky type game. Like they would, you know, beating the Chargers last year was, not something anyone saw coming. It was obviously incredibly discouraging to the Chargers franchise. I don't think they're going to let that happen again.
1: You know, I talked to Mary-Kate Cabot in our first segment here, and we talked about just, you know, with no Joe Thomas in there, they have a good interior offensive line, but to be able to stop Bosa and Ingram, there's not many teams in the NFL that have had a lot of success, and the Dallas Cowboys being the latest example of that.
0: Yeah, and, and also when I watch Cleveland, I see a team that feels like, very well scripted for their first drive or two yeah. and you will see that I think they'll come out of the gate strong they always do and then then it really falls apart and it's really the strength on strength and they simply they've got a lot of young players and I don't see them as quite the disaster that some do but they don't match up well against a Chargers team that has some legit stars on both sides of the ball
1: yeah I think the Chargers can get this W get to six and six and then the Chiefs they go to MetLife to take on the Jets. Chiefs are 6-5. and five. They've lost 5-6. of six. They actually beat the Giants, or they lost to the Giants, rather, in MetLife two weeks ago. Uh, what do you think happens here? What's wrong with the Chiefs right now?
0: You know, it's, it's, uh, it's funny. I mean, people who have watched them closely talk about the fact that I think their offense has been diagnosed to some degree. You see defensive defenses using uh, a little cover, two was mentioned by some of the players, and that that's taken out of the mix, some of the deep plays that we were so encouraged by with Alex Smith, because it was like the Chiefs, which I think, you know, rightly or wrongly got a tag of being somewhat of a boring team over the last couple of years on offense, that you can count on them to go 10 and six and get knocked out of the playoffs that the first five weeks of the season, we thought this is a totally different type of team. And it's been shut down. And I think that, you know, it's a very long season. And and as film is compiled up, you know you can take what they've what they've done and say here's how we're going to diagnose it. Now Alex Smith is throwing so many passes over the last couple of weeks, you know, behind the line of scrimmage or just at the line of scrimmage and that vertical element has been completely taken away and so they have to get back to I think finding a way to consistently run the ball. And I it's like with Andy Reid you trust them to kind of get their footing back, but the last month has been so distressing and I don't think as in years past. I mean they don't have the defense to lean on. People talk about Darrell Revis being signed. If it's last year's Darrell Revis, I don't think that means much at all. And the guy's been essentially, you know, on his couch for three months. So I don't know why that's more than just a big name of the past being dropped into the mix. And people underrate the Jets. The Jets, you know, nearly knocked off the Panthers. They, they put That came right down to the edge. There's a game against the Patriots that they nearly won. I, I think the Jets, who everyone assumed would go 1-15, have really battled every week, and they've been i, I wouldn't ta- i wouldn't underrate them at all if I were Kansas City and i don't think they will
1: and I think too mark, when you look at the first five or six weeks of the season, that offensive outburst by the chiefs, I think it masked the fact that they lost Eric Berry at the beginning of the season, and, and I think that's yep. really kind of catching up with them on the defensive side of the ball that and I think just Kareem hunt. I mean, listen. He was lights out for the first five, six weeks, but it, he seems to have hit a rookie wall, and I, I just, I just don't know what they are offensively. Like you say, I, I trust Andy Reid to figure it out to an extent. Um, I think the Chiefs have a have an excellent chance to to get the win here, but I don't know. I, it's just a team that you can't fully trust at this point.
0: No, and they. I mean, I look at that Week 15 matchup with the Chargers that. Is so critical, and it comes one week after they play the Raiders. And they have the day, you know, outside of that, if the Chiefs can get through that, they have Miami and Denver, two teams in free fall to close the season. But I really look at that Chargers matchup as the AFC West game of the season.
1: Let's go to the next one New England at Buffalo. Listen, I thought Buffalo season was over after the Chargers game, after getting blown up by the Saints and Chargers in consecutive weeks. They go to Arrowhead. Find a way to win. Tyrod Taylor's now back under center, but you, you got to play the Patriots twice in the last five weeks, and this is a this is going to be a tall task.
0: Yeah, it's it's and also the Patriots right now are absolutely flying on offense with what really feels like Bill Belichick's you know perfect vision. Where you've got Rex Burkhead, you got James White, Deion Lewis. You have multiple weapons in the backfield. They don't just run the ball. You can line them up anywhere as running backs, but also out as, you know, slot receivers, and they are catching screens and yards after the catch. And then Brandon Cooks, who, you know, sometimes these free agent signings work, sometimes they don't. Brandon Cooks has been an incredibly perfect match for Tom Brady, who, you know, forget what his age, whatever his age is, he's playing the best football of his career right now. And you talk about the Patriots defense early in the year, all of that is an old, That's that's months old at this point. That the amount of yardage they were giving up, they have tightened up the defense. It's a typical Patriots season. Everything is coming together. And when I look at the Bills, I think the thing that you get out of Tyrod Taylor is he's not turning the ball over, and he's mobile. He can extend plays. Two things that you know in the quick disastrous look we saw from from Nathan Peterman, both of those things were the opposite: five picks and you know standing in the pocket. So. The Bills, to me, are a team that is building slowly with Sean McDermott. I think he's a good coach. I think they have a good front office in place. That was a bad week to make that quarterback switch, as Chargers fans know. But I really trust New England in this situation to take care of business. It's just like New England at this point by now just rounds into shape and starts pummeling opponents.
1: You know, it's almost like a tale of two seasons, too. And I think Kevin Harlan mentioned this on radio earlier in the year, and he's like, the thing about the NFL season – you have to throw out September and even like the first couple of weeks of October, because you don't know who's good yet until October till people start or till teams rather start to get in a groove and start to hit each other because, you know, you're not hitting that much in training camp that new England defense that we saw in September, like you said, that's a distant memory now. I mean, this, this team is humming on both sides of the football.
0: Yeah. They talked about, I think early on in the year that what was happening with the secondary, especially those safeties and cornerbacks talked about that as a communication breakdown, communication issues, those things get ironed out. And in, in, in we, under Bill Belichick, stuff like that does not last for more than a couple of weeks. And it is so true that it's really a post Thanksgiving league because injuries obviously reshape, you know, a third of the teams. And we're past that point. We know outside of, you know, any future disasters, what quarterbacks, what major players like an Odell Beckham are going to get knocked out at this point. You get a sense for these teams. There's a lot of tape for everyone. So some teams like the Chiefs that surgically get diagnosed and others like New England, you just trust the way they've been coached 17 straight consecutive winning seasons that a team like Buffalo, you know, if Tom Brady knocks off the Bills, he will have the best record against any team of any quarterback in history. So, That's you know, you, you can't really predict an upset here without being completely, you know, you'd be stunned if it happened.
1: Yeah, you know, I, th- I think we're both in agreement that, that New England will take care of business in <laughs> Buffalo. Let's let's move on to the, this crazy AFC South, Mark. Houston at Tennessee. You got Tom Savage under center for the Texans. They couldn't close the deal Monday night in Baltimore. And Tennessee, hey, they're, they're seven and four. They didn't look so great in Indianapolis and Marcus Mariota, he's got to step it up a little bit.
0: Yeah, I just I don't really trust either of these teams. I think that you're going to get the team outside of Jacksonville where they have a Super Bowl level defense. I look at I look at the Titans as a team that I came into this this season loving what they did last year and they they really had built an identity under John Robinson the GM for the first time in so long. They were a tough team. They basically said we're going to line up five or six offensive linemen. We're going to put a couple tight ends in there. We're going to run at you, and you're going to have to deal with it. Oh, and on top of it, we have Marcus Mariota, who is looking like one of the promising young quarterbacks. I think he is still. It's just that that offense has really sort of lost itself. The running game is not as reliable. And so I just – in Houston, we saw on Monday night that for for all the progress and moments that Savage made in the first half, It is a turnover machine and outside of Jadavion Clowney and DeAndre Hopkins, two legit stars. There's just not a lot to like about the Texans. So I feel like these two are sort of marching to a pretty obvious conclusion, which will be probably for the Texans, you know, a a high draft pick, which goes to Cleveland. So that's unfortunate for them and for. For essentially, the, for the Titans, I would you sneak into the playoffs maybe and get whacked. I just I don't see I don't look at either of these teams as some, a team that you can say you know there's a big story happening here.
1: There's something we can trust. Well, you know what's curious to me is just the the, the turnovers from Mariota, Mark, because he he's had, he had he has six interceptions his last two games. He had nine all of last year, and I think that's the one element of his game that you thought, hey. He's great in the red zone. He doesn't turn the football over. And now you're starting to see these interceptions creep into this offense. You know, I bring up the Titans because the, the Chargers are two games back of the Titans. Unfortunately, that loss to the Jags, it's it's going to be really tough to catch Jacksonville if you're the Chargers. But I, I don't know. I, I'm in the same boat as you. Just, I, I don't really know who the Titans are right now.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure they do. And I think maybe, you know, they're another one of these AFC AS... The reason I think the AFC is such a murky sort of swamp of mediocrity right now is because you got a lot of teams like the Bills and the Titans and the Jaguars that are just beginning their climb and beginning to transition towards, you know, a true identity. And I think that with the Titans, yes, you know, they've got elements in place, but they don't, it's sort of like last year with Carson Wentz, where were the weapons around him? They provided him with some, and you see a transformation in Philadelphia with the quarterback, but also with the rest of the team And the Titans are incomplete on offense. I think Corey Davis being injured for so much that this season hurt that passing game. They just don't have a lot of reliable weapons to save Mariota or for him to really cling to. And when the running game's not clicking, that's when quarterbacks get into trouble.
1: For sure. You know, here I I trust Mariota more than I trust Tom Savage. So I'll take the Titans. I'm not happy about it. (laughs) I'm with you. (laughs) All right, let's move on to this one. This one, gosh, giants at Raiders, Mark. And, Listen, no Eli, no Janoris Jenkins, and really, I guess, no excuses for the Raiders. If, if you don't win this one, then you're in big trouble.
0: Yeah, I mean, another team that's tough to trust because they, they're they not going to have Crabtree at wideout this week. Uh, looks like Amari Cooper, I, I, you know, that's an up and down situation. And so their running game in, in Oakland has been really up and down as well. But if you can't take care of this Giants team with Geno Smith at quarterback, I think it's a Giants team that, you know, you're going to get a couple of these teams every year where coaching decisions and just the general, you know, fate of the team has been so ugly that you've, you kind of, this thing is a sinking ship and it it probably everyone inside the organization is wondering who's going to be employed, you know, a month and a half from now. So I I don't know how you don't pick the Raiders in this situation because they're still clinging to life. They have a real chance to still win the division potentially uh, or sneak into that sixth spot in a bad AFC but what the, the way the Giants handled this, and this is not news to anyone. It's just that I grew up in the New York City area and tri-state area, and listened to WFAN every day of my childhood, and cannot believe how New York the team, the Giants have always been sort of the polar opposite of the Jets and of and, and of other you know teams that struggle. They've been consistent, and they were classy, and the way they handled this was so in such a different, weird way that it was it, it's it's shocking to Giants fans. They're upset. I can't believe that this is how they handled the Eli Manning situation. I think it will go down for a long time as one of the weirdest, ugliest moments in New York sports, certainly in, in Giants history. And I, this season's completely, the floor falls out from here. I, I don't know if they win another game. You can't predict them to. And they have a massive rebuilding project underway.
1: Did you hear the Francesa rant, Mark, yesterday? Yeah, I right? did.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we listened to it in the newsroom. And I mean, and I, and I just, I think Francesa, who has a better grip on that team? I mean, this is a guy that was best friends, close with Bill Parcells. He's seen every good and bad moment in Giants history and he appropriately, you know, described what happened yesterday. It was it's just it's an unbelievable move that you can't look at it. a lot of things are going wrong in New York. Eli Manning is not the same Eli Manning from, you know, years past, but he is but benching him was not going to solve the situation and getting some sort of longer look at Geno Smith is a laughable excuse that's to what I Giants don't, fans. That's
1: what I don't understand, Mark, is because, listen, if if you sold it as, hey, we really like Davis Webb, he was a third-round pick, he's shown a lot of promise in practice, the season's over, we want to give him a long look, I don't know if that would be a little bit more palatable to Giants fans, but the fact that you're going to go to Geno first, that's the the concept. I just can't wrap my head around it. I know Giants fans can't wrap their head around it.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. That Let's say they had... Uh, Patrick Mahomes that had flashed in the preseason. looked like the future. I think that the reaction would be still disappointing because, you know, New York's different than any other city. You don't treat your stars this way. You give them that final season to go to every stadium, to wave goodbye, to have parades, you know, to do the rounds. This was a coaching staff in total disarray handling this poorly. And it probably came from above the coaching staff because I don't think they're even making this decision, but you're absolutely right. There's no reason to try to sell us on the fact that we need to get a look at Geno Smith because especially this is not Geno Smith coming from Kansas city or from Seattle or some, some, you know, far off, Locale. This is a guy that completely failed in the same stadium as the Jets. <laughs> Across the street. Yep. These guys already know who Tino Smith is. So it, was, it is a PR move for the ages.
1: Yeah. Like I said, the Raiders don't really have a lot of excuses in this one. And then they, they get to play the no. Cowboys without Ezekiel Elliott, I believe, next week or in two weeks, whenever they play the Cowboys. So they get a couple of breaks playing two NFC's opponents. Uh, last one, Mark, the Steelers at the Bengals, I believe this is a Monday night game. It's kind of a sneaky good game. The Bengals have gotten themselves back into the mix, too. They're five and six competing with the Chargers for that uh, that last wild card spot. These AFC North games, you know, wacky things can happen. What do you see happening here?
0: Pittsburgh has done a great job, you know, historically under Tomlin against the Bengals. I feel like Big Ben has pretty much owned Andy Dalton. I think that I like what Big Ben had to say, and it was sort of a typical quarterbacky quote. But after Tomlin talked about, you know, the fact that he, as a coach, uh, has looked ahead a little bit towards the Patriots, not only in the regular season, week 15 game coming up, but also the fact that, hey, we think we'll play them in the playoffs. And Big Ben said, look, the Bengals are going to try to ruin our Christmas. We can't. We cannot look past Cincinnati. Cincinnati has been a really, uh, I think, milk toast, hard to watch team, especially on offense. But what they did against the Browns last week, and everyone can say, yeah, it's the Browns, but I, the Browns came in with a top ten run defense. We finally got the game from Bengals rookie Joe Mixon, where he looked great, and he was not just he running did. the ball. He did a good job there, but catching the ball too. And you still have AJ Green, and I, I really feel like the Bengals, who you know, there has been to some degree. I don't see them as a real contender for that wild card spot, that last one there. I'd much rather favor, I think, the Ravens with their defense in that situation. But the Bengals are the kind of team that, yeah, you don't—they could knock someone off. I don't think it's going to be Pittsburgh right now with the way that they're playing. The, what what they did on Sunday night—it just sort of tells you the offense is clicking. The team is the team is one seven straight. They really, I believe, you know, at this point have hit their groove and some of the stuff we were dealing with Big Ben, you know, what's happened to Big Ben, that kind of talk. We talk about September, October, that's faded away. The defense to me, Pittsburgh's defense is really, really solid. And so I just think that I think this is a Pittsburgh type of game where they go in and they handle business and it's not going to be, it's going to be like one of these 23 to 13 type games.
1: Last Sunday was interesting because, you know, Brett Hundley plays a, a really good game against the Steelers, honestly. But it, I almost felt yeah. like the, the Steelers knew they had it the entire time. You know, and it just it took that last drive. It took that amazing catcher, Antonio Brown, to get in the field goal range and eventually win the game. But I, I just think that the Steelers, when they are clicking and they have everybody engaged, including Martavis Bryant, including Juju Smith-Schuster, when they have all these guys clicking, Ah, gosh, I don't know. I you almost you almost see a collision course to the AFC Championship with the Patriots.
0: Yeah, I think I think in in an in an AFC where it'd be hard to pick a different combination for the title game. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And the Steelers do they let down against teams that are unfamiliar opponents. It's not surprising to see them allow Green Bay kind of hang around in that game. And they'll always have a, a stinker every season against a team that should never have a chance against them. But it doesn't happen against Cincinnati historically. And they get up for the Ravens games, and they get up for the Bengals games. They know these opponents well. And, I mean, Andy Dalton's record against Pittsburgh and his performance against the Steelers – is, is really ugly, and it's not against a level of defense that we're seeing from Pittsburgh this year. I really think that, you know, everyone talks about the Ravens. The Steelers' defense is, is right there, if not better, with the Ravens' defense.
1: They're playing lights-out football this year. Mark, this was fun, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Where can people find you on Twitter, and where can they find the, the wildly popular ATN podcast? Um, I'm on Twitter at Mark Sesler, M-A-R-C, Sessler, M-A-R-C-S-E-S-S-L-E-R-N-S-L.
0: And the podcast, uh, we have a handle um, on the, basically around the NFL, where all our news is, but also our podcast is published there. And you can find us on NFL.com. And we have, we're on iTunes. Um, we're getting back on Stitcher soon. And the podcast, essentially, during the regular season, every Sunday night, we wrap up every single game following Sunday night football. So that publishes late Sunday night. We do a Tuesday video and audio show. And we do a Thursday preview show, which we'll do again tomorrow and will come out usually around four or five o'clock uh, 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 Pacific time. So three times a week. And then in the off season, we do it three times a week with a couple different days in there as well. So, yeah, we're out there. We publish a bunch of shows.
1: And if you haven't listened, give it a listen. You do great work, bud. I really appreciate you joining us today. All right, man. I'll see you soon. Thank you. Hey, fans, be there live to support the L.A. Chargers this season. Always buy your Chargers tickets from our official ticketing partner, Ticketmaster and the NFL Ticket Exchange. Only Ticketmaster has verified tickets that are 100% guaranteed to get you in every time. Other sellers can only guarantee they'll give you a refund if they sell you a fraudulent ticket. So go with a trusted source and our official partner and know you're going to the game. Team reporter Haley Elwood joins me, and Haley, we have a lot to get to, but let's start with Thanksgiving Day, even though it feels like forever ago. The Chargers beat the Cowboys Mm -hmm. 28-6. Phillip Rivers turns in one of the more memorable performances of his career, and he gets AFC Offensive Player of the Week for it. What was the overriding feeling from the locker room after the game?
3: I think the funny thing is, as rough as the last time you had me on after the Jacksonville loss as that locker room was, This locker room was a complete 180. I bet. It was awesome. I mean, guys were so excited, so happy. It was the second decisive victory in a row for this team. And I think it was a a totally true confidence builder. I think they had that confidence coming off of the Bills game for sure. But then to go to Dallas on a game that's like a landmark, you know, that's a marquee Dallas Cowboys game right there and come out with a win that was huge and that was so exciting and it definitely made their Thanksgiving a lot better made the whole team's Thanksgiving better actually for all of us who were there for sure
1: I bet and you know what I guess I should mention it was also your birthday right so happy birthday how many times have you shared Thanksgiving for your birthday
3: you know it's been a couple it's not like leap year status where you can count every four years or something like that in fact the last time I think it was supposed to hit me it was leap year and it skipped me um, so it's been a couple times, but every now, every now and then, we get to, I get to share it with Thanksgiving. But it was an awesome time. It was an awesome, you know, it was an awesome way to spend my birthday. I guess you could say. And like I said, to come out with a win, even better.
1: You know, Haley, it's no coincidence the last two weeks the team puts on really two lights out performances, and the main player is Keenan Allen, and just getting yeah. him involved. What were people saying about the way Keenan has been playing over the last two weeks?
3: I think the biggest thing to look at with Keenan is that he's returned to form. And I was talking with Matt Money Smith after the game against Buffalo a couple weeks ago because he obviously put up, you know, two touchdowns in that game, had a career high in yards in a single game last week against the Cowboys. And I think we were saying Keenan's finally, you know, he's finally healthy again. And not that he wasn't at the beginning of the season because he looked good and and he was, you know, doing Keenan Allen things, but you kind of get the sense that he's back. He's returned to that player that he was when he first entered the league, fully healthy and ready to go. He's dynamic and he makes plays. And on that specific touchdown that you saw against the Cowboys, you look at that play and the cuts that he made and you kind of stand back and just go, whoa. And when you look at this team and where they are right now, they are still obviously a game you know, behind 500. They can get back this week against uh, against the Browns. But when you look at this team and where they are and where they're going – You want to get hot in December and if Keenan is also coming on at this time you know watch out like this team could really honestly be dangerous for the next few weeks to come
1: yeah things are good right now for the Chargers I don't think they have a team on their schedule that is above 500 other than the Chiefs and one of the Mm -hmm. benefits for the Chargers from playing on Thanksgiving is you get that kind of that mini buy that comes with it right and now comes the Browns to town they're 0-11 But forget the record, because I think Coach Lynn, all he has to do is remind the team who the Browns beat last season for their only win of the season.
3: And that was what he said. I mean, he had said in his presser on Monday that, you know, I I may not have been here, but the guys in this locker room who will remember what happened. And you definitely do not want that to happen again. So I don't think this team's looking over or excuse me, overlooking the Browns, I should say at all.
1: Another thing this week, Haley, this Sunday, the players are going to be wearing their own custom cleats as part of the NFL's My Cause, My Cleats initiative. And there was an unveiling earlier in the week, a lot of good-looking cleats, but more importantly, some amazing causes.
3: Yeah, so the My Cause, My Cleats thing is really, really cool. This is the second season that the NFL has done this, that they allow, obviously with uniform rules, guys can wear various cleats pre-game. but when the game, when the clock hits, you have to change into your regular, you know, NFL uniform and whatnot. So this gives them the opportunity opportunity to wear these cleats throughout the game. And it is really cool because they're cleats that showcase various causes that are important to these guys. And we have, I think, almost 30 players that are participating in this. And like you said, with that unboxing that happened earlier this week, some of the cleats are really, really awesome. And I think the neat thing about it is that a lot of these causes for some of the players hit them personally. Like Corey Legit. his shoes look like a heart because he's supporting the American Heart Association because he has a son who was born with a heart defect. So he firsthand knows what it's like to go through those challenges and is now trying to help others who may not have, like he said, the financial and insurance help and aid that he had. And then you look at a guy like Antonio Gates and he's supporting the Lupus Foundation of America because his sister passed away from lupus. So these are causes that are super important to these guys. And I think it's one of those things where you look at an athlete and you automatically think, okay, well, these guys have platforms. And so this is the ultimate way to spread awareness because these are televised games. So It's really, really cool. It'll be really exciting, and and I know the guys are really into it and looking forward to Sunday.
1: Yeah, it it was cool just to see all the stars at the Chargers in the same room unveiling their cleats and really with with that sense of pride that they, they get to, you know, it's bigger than themselves. They get to really showcase... Their cause on a platform like an NFL Sunday, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's keep the fashion talk rolling, though, Haley, because the Chargers—they're yeah, two, right? they're two <laughs> and zero in their powder blues. They routed the Bills yep. in the all navies, which are really clean. And this Sunday, we're going, we're going all royal blue. The all Air Coryells.
3: So yeah, so these are so it's not a color rush game. We'll put that out there, but these are obviously the color rush royal blue uniforms that the team wore last year against the Denver Broncos. They're awesome. These, these are super cool. And like you said, we've been on a little fashion trend here. You went from <laughs> the all Navy to the powders to now the Royals. And again, to reiterate what you said, these are an homage to the air Coriel era. My favorite thing about them. And we were getting some buzz on Twitter about this yesterday is the gold face mask.
1: Oh, that's the best. because
3: You have the white helmet. It's a sharp, sharp look, but you have the white helmet with the gold face mask and the Royal blue um, uniform with the gold accents, obviously. And it looks really cool, and it's it's kind of silly when it's something just kind of as small as that that can make a difference. But it's a it's a sharp look, and and they'll be looking. I always like to insert the fire emoji uh, here, <laughs> yeah. but they'll be looking pretty sweet on Sunday.
1: No, I, I always feel like it gives those guys like a little bit of a little bit more confidence. You know, we're rocking the powder totally. blues, and then you know you you wearing you wearing these really clean royal blues on Sunday. And there's going to be some some alumni, if I'm not mistaken, in the house. I think the Chargers do this every year where they, they honor Mm -hmm. uh, former Chargers players as well.
3: Yeah. So Sunday's a big day, obviously with my cause, my cleats, the Royal blue uniforms. And then it is like you said, alumni weekend. So I believe more than 60 alumni will attend Sunday's game. It's just a really cool way for guys, you know, from the past to mingle with guys that are presently on the team and, and even kind of reconnect with guys that may, that they have made, that they may have, I can talk, lost touch with. So um, it'll be really neat. It'll be really cool. And also, it's kind of cool that they're wearing the uniforms as, like we've discussed, in homage to the Air Coryell era, where some of those players will likely be there on Sunday as well.
1: Haley, this locker room, you and I talk each and every week. And the first four weeks, it was just tough. You know, you go 0-4. Yeah. What's the contrast now? Now that they're 5-6, and six, the division's kind of come back to them a little bit. Uh, they're a game out of the wild card. They're a game out of the AFC West. And they have a schedule that looks pretty favorable and they're playing their best ball.
3: I think it's a level of confidence. And I think Anthony Lynn had said this after the game on Sunday, that it never wavered. He never felt that this team was going to lose that. Even when they were as tested as they were after going over and and four after dropping two in a row, they never wavered. And that's to me, the sign of a really strong and a really good team that you can go through those tough times. You could face adversity, but then you can overcome it. And I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here, but like you said, they have a favorable schedule. To me, they're peaking at the right time. And I think this could be a really good run that they could potentially go on, just close out the season.
1: It's just fun to have meaningful football games in December and you hope to carry that over yeah. to January. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. Look forward to seeing you at the practice facility on Friday, Haley. Thanks so much for your time. And um, I guess every time we need a win, I got to give you a call, right?
3: Yeah yeah right it worked see again it worked the first time it worked the last time and then hopefully this will i know we're, we're coming off a win but let's get three in a row and hopefully this will work again
1: you know how we have like like research notes before and after games it could, it could be like the chargers are three and oh when Haley elwood joins chargers weekly i think that that's yep, a, a nice bullet could, point
3: <laughs> this could be this could be a stat this could be a great stat let's let's keep it rolling here thanks for having me on chris
1: and that's going to do it for this week's episode. My thanks to Haley Elwood, Mary Kay Cabot, and Mark Sessler for joining me. And thanks to you all for listening. Be sure to download and subscribe to Chargers Weekly wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave a review on iTunes. It helps us spread the word so we can get this to as many Chargers fans as possible. Enjoy the game Sunday as the Bolts look to make it three straight. And until next time, I'm Chris Haery.